I really appreciated those uh, Lord's Supper thoughts that we had a moment ago, uh, especially the idea that there are some things that change and they, they seem to, to swiftly go with the times, and then there are some things that through that change ought to remain constant and the same. Um, as I uh, have just been thinking here recently, and last night it was kind of hitting me, uh, today is Levi's fifth birthday, and uh, last night as he was going to bed, I was thinking, uh, it's like, like, I'm not going to have a four-year-old anymore, you know, and that's a, I don't know, so that might, obviously that's just math, but, but it was a weird thought, you know, that uh, he's growing, I'm getting older, he's getting older, he's our youngest, and so you just see him moving on to a next stage of life, and you look at the church here, and we're, we're in here right now, that's change, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back over there hopefully in a couple of months, but <clears throat> there are transformations and changes that take place, in fact, today is kind of a, a big day for that, it's a day of celebration for that, uh, our eldership. We've been praying a lot about it. We've been talking about it for months. Uh, today's a really exciting day for today, but also for the future as change is taking place. And our eldership is expanding. And I think that uh, I'm, I'm, well, I know I'm very excited about uh, uh, the additions that we're going to be having. And I'm very excited about the future of this church. But there are things that change. And yet through that change, there are some things that remain constant and the same. Um, we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount and the teachings of Jesus, you know, even some of the examples that he gives throughout the Sermon on the Mount of, of uh, you know, words that you might say uh, in anger to someone, like raka is one of the words that's in our church. I have never heard someone use that word before uh, as an insult about somebody else. But you can understand the teaching that he's giving in how we might have modern words in English that we use that, uh, that continue that teaching on. The words may change, but the idea remains the same. As you go through the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to take a brief break uh, from just kind of moving through the sermon this morning to talk about something that I think is pivotal for understanding the sermon. But as you go through the sermon, one of the things that you'll notice is Jesus starts listing topic after topic as to how he wants to take our understanding of the law and bring it to a more full realization through our actions. He, he talks about, uh, you shall not murder, but I say to you, don't get angry. Then he gives some examples of that. He talks about, you know, you've heard that it was said not to commit adultery, but I say don't lust and don't divorce and marry someone else. Uh, he said, uh, you've heard that it was said, fulfill your vows, but I say to you, just say yes and no and let that be enough. You've heard that it was said uh, uh, that... Uh, um, that uh, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, give up revenge entirely. Uh, you've heard that it was said you shall love your enemies or love your neighbors and, and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love everybody, even your enemies. Uh, as you go through that list right there, there's two things that uh, every one of those commands has in common. Number one, it, it not only deals with you in your actions, but it deals with your actions in relation to another person. Those are all relational. Whether you're angry at someone or you're lusting over someone or you're divorcing someone or you're lying to someone or you're getting revenge from someone or you're loving someone, they all have another person who's involved. And that's really, really important for understanding the foundation of the ethics of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. But the second thing that you'll notice with each one of them is they are all in response to who God is and to who God has called us to be. And what that means is if you genuinely love God, 
you're going to try to embody the goodness of God in your relationships to others around you. And so love of God will manifest itself in your love for others and in your love for your neighbor. And one of the passages that I think helps us understand Jesus laying that groundwork comes later on in Matthew, in chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, I want to read Matthew chapter 22. There's a series of uh, tests and questions and challenges that Jesus is being asked about. From uh, This is prior to his crucifixion. It's like every group is taking one last shot at him. You have the Pharisees who come up to him with the Herodians, and they ask him a question about paying taxes, trying to get him caught up in either uh, frustrating the Pharisees or angering the Herodians and getting him in some political hot water. Uh, and Jesus comes up with a brilliant answer about that. Then you have the Sadducees who come up, and they ask him this this highly uh, detailed construction uh, of a hypothetical question about the resurrection and some woman who's lost seven husbands and then they all are raised up together and who's she going to be married to of the seven when they all walk up to her like, hey, you know, that, that's going to be an uncomfortable greeting. Uh, who's she going to be married to? And Jesus responds uh, brilliantly to that. Well, the next one, there's a lawyer who comes up to Jesus and he asks him a question in uh, verse 30. Uh, 5 of chapter 22. It says, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? All right, so, you know, rabbis have counted up how many laws there are in the law of Moses, and they've come with the number 613, and he's saying, which one of those is the greatest one? Which one of those is the most important? You know, if you're racking your brain, I imagine you would think, well, don't murder is probably a pretty important one. You don't want to have a society that does that. Uh, you can come up with some of them that I met, bet would be seen as, as having grand importance. But Jesus pulls two, and they are the foundational uh, commands upon which everything else is built. They are the foundational commands that help us understand the reasoning and the answers that he gives in the Sermon on the Mount. If you have this in mind, then the other things that Jesus says begin to make a lot of sense. He says, number one, this is verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. He says, if you go through your Bible, Everything that you're going to read has as its foundation either the love of God with everything you are, with all of your heart and soul and, and mind, or, or other translations your, or, or other passages, heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's basically everything on your inside and in your outside, your whole being, your whole life, all of your potential, all of your ability, all of your thoughts are grounded and rooted in ultimately more than anything else, the love of God. All of your decision-making comes from a place where you're trying to honor the love of God. And that is going to represent the way that you treat your neighbor, because he's going to say that you love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the things that's so fascinating about that phrase is, you know, human beings have a tendency. Um, you take something like that and you think, okay, love my neighbor as myself. Well, who then is my neighbor? Uh, a lot of what I do depends on how you define that passage. So like me, I have uh, one person to the left of me and one person to the right of me where I live. If it's just about them, I bet I could do it. You know? Makes it a little bit easier if it's just that neighbor. You say, well, maybe it's a little bigger. Maybe it's, maybe it's the people in your city. 
Maybe it's the people in your church. Maybe it's the, the people who look like you. Maybe it's your countrymen. You know, you can, you can start widening it. What Jesus does, and he actually does this in the Sermon on the Mount, he quotes this very passage, and he takes it to the widest levels you could possibly imagine when he says, even your enemies. It's like the person, whether it's your political enemy, your national enemy, your personal enemy, whatever person you think of, when you think of this is the person I least want to love, Jesus says, if you really love God, that's the person you demonstrate your love towards. Because God has a way in which he loves everybody to the extent that Jesus came and died for everybody. You can see the love of Jesus pouring out on the cross when as he's in agony and as he's dying, he's saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. That's a powerful passage that de demonstrates that like, even in the, the height of the anguish caused by his enemies, he's still loving them and thinking about what's best for them. As you keep that in your mind and you recognize that Jesus showed us through his life and certainly in his death, what loving God and loving neighbor is all about. As we read through the Sermon on the Mount, as we make decisions in our everyday life, as you respond to your spouse, as you respond to a coworker as a moment of frustration, as you write something on Facebook, let's have a test that we run before we say or do or act in a way towards someone else. Let's ask ourselves, is this representing and demonstrating the love of God? And is this representing and demonstrating the love of another person? And if it's not, then it's probably a misguided response. If it's not doing one of those things, then we're probably uh, moving further from where Christ is calling us to be. So as we bring our lesson to a close, I just want to offer a simple and short reminder to us. Let's love God with everything that we are, and let's demonstrate that love in our words and our actions and in our love towards one another. Christians should be known more so than anything else by our love that we have for one another and by those who don't even deserve it. Because the reality is God loves us even when we don't deserve it. So let's try to embody that and demonstrate it to others. If you're here this morning, God loves you. And he's giving you a chance right here today to have your sins washed away, to have your life renewed in him. And if you have the desire, please take advantage of that. He loves you and he's calling you. If there's anyone here who would like to become a Christian, uh, have your sins washed away in baptism, please let that be known. If you'd like the prayers and the help of the church in any way, please let that be known as well. You can come sit on the front row during this invitation song or after services are over, we're going to have uh, some of our elders who are available that you can talk to and, uh, and meet with them. Uh, but if you have the need, please let it be known while we stand and as we sing.